Okay. Um, number 165. The capitalist production system has unified space, breaking down the boundaries between one society and the next. This unification is also a process, at once extensive and intensive, of trivialization. Just as the accumulation of commodities mass-produced for the abstract space of the market inevitably shattered all regional and legal barriers, as well as all those corporative restrictions that served in the Middle Ages to preserve the quality of craft production, so too it was bound to dissipate the independence and quality of places. The power to homogenize is the heavy artillery that has battered down all Chinese walls. Number 167. This society eliminates geographical distance only to reap distance internally in the form of spectacular separation. I've been thinking a lot about place recently, about what it is, what it was, what it could be, and my relationship to it. These days I'm learning about plants, so that's where my mind goes when I read this. Places used to be distinguishable by what grew there. Differences in factors like climate, topography, and soil composition led to differences in the plants of different places. These plants fed different animals who evolved along with them in systemic relationships that together defined places. These places didn't have names, and they didn't always have clear borders. There was some fluidity and limited movement between places, as each element of the place, from microorganisms to megafauna, had an impact on the other elements and the system as a whole. The way I understand it, humans originated in one or a very few of the places and migrated over the course of thousands of years into almost all of the places on Earth. For most of this history, humans assimilated into existing places, so that many different human cultures evolved from the same human ancestors. They ate different plants and animals, had different medicines, customs, taboos, social organizations, languages, religions, and leisure activities that were place-specific. Capitalism also originated in one or very few places and spread throughout the world. But its logic dictates domination rather than assimilation. People following this model can't integrate into place existing places with vast differences in both ecosystems and cultural systems. Capitalism is a mold that is forced onto places out of which it didn't evolve and within which it can't exist as a single element impacted by all other elements. It destroys the systemic relationships that define places and imposes its own mandates, which are not as rich and varied. The plants grown under capitalism are only plants that benefit humans in some way or make money. Um, not even all of them benefit humans, really. The most planted plant, I think, in the world are European grasses in people's lawns which don't seem to me to have any kind of a clear benefit um, except to the people who sell them. I'm an heir of all this. I grew up in rural Pennsylvania. I didn't understand the town I lived as a place. I didn't have any real relationships with the plants and animals around me. I didn't get my sustenance from my immediate surroundings. I didn't even know where my water came from. I didn't feel like an integral part of a cultural tradition. At the time, I thought that most of the people in my town were ignorant hicks and I couldn't relate to them. I didn't know what I wanted, but I knew I didn't care about what the people around me cared about, and I wanted to get out. The various media I was exposed to showed me a world that seemed very different from mine. I thought my town lacked culture, and that I could go out into this world I saw on TV and find it. Because place is so degraded, I was able to leave easily. I left in a van I could buy gas for anywhere in the country using my ATM card and my ability to speak English. I knew the traffic laws. I knew how to get food. I knew how to find an apartment and get a job. Migration is easier now than it was thousands of years ago. I felt freer than I ever had before. I came to San Francisco seven years ago. In many ways, it's different from the small town where I grew up. 
I have more access to a broader range of ideas and people and products, too, on that side of things. Through this, and through my experience of living in the world outside my small town and noticing the differences between it and my expectations, I started to figure out what I want and what I care about. I've become more able to name my dissatisfaction. San Francisco is no more of a place than Ebensburg, Pennsylvania. I'm more comfortable here because I have the option of surrounding myself with people whose ideas and desires are more similar to mine. But I don't feel rooted here or anywhere else. I spend most of my time with people whose definition of community includes people all over the world with similar values. I can go to cities I've never been before and quickly find a house and a group of people that feels almost as much like home as most of the 13 places I've lived in San Francisco. In those moments, I find joy, beauty, comfort, and connection. But I also find a deep sadness in the knowledge that my ability to do this is a trade-off for not having the ability that every living thing had for thousands of years to truly be a part of an integrated systemic place. I fumbled a lot in the beginning. Um, and is it okay if I do four? <laughs> okay. Um, number 169. A society that molds its entire surroundings has necessarily evolved its own techniques for working on the material basis of this set of tasks. That material basis is the society's actual territory. Urbanism is the mode of appropriation of the natural and human environment by capitalism which, true to its logical development toward absolute domination, can and now must refashion the totality of space into its own peculiar decor. I started gardening and learning a lot about plants, including the wild and feral plants in the Bay Area. I'm trying to get more of my sustenance from my immediate surroundings. I learned where my water comes from. Some friends and I restarted an abandoned four-and-a-half-acre urban farm. I'm trying to understand that four-and-a-half acres as a place, but finding a lot of obstacles to that. It's owned by the City Department of Recreation and Parks, and the bureaucrats there don't let me forget that, for them, it isn't a place. It's a property. It's a liability. It's a political tool. It's pieces of paper on their desks. I was there a few weeks ago with a friend, and four people showed up, people I'd never seen before and I didn't know were coming. Um, they introduced themselves as architecture students in Berkeley, they're working on a project for a class, and their project is designing an urban farm. It sounds exciting to me at first. Um, I set up and extended my hand in greeting, um, and the most talkative of these people um, recoiled from my dirty hand. I noticed his spotless white pants and the shiniest white shoes I think I've ever seen. He talked to me a little bit about his project, and he asked me about mine. Um, he pointed to the fruit trees on the hills and was asking me about what fruit trees need to thrive. It's not what he said, though. He said, what do they need to produce more fruit? Um, I told him a little bit about it, including that they need you know, adequate amounts of sunshine. And he said to me, so if we put artificial light on the, on the trees 24 hours a day, they'd produce more fruit? I didn't really know what to say. I realized that for him, it, this isn't a place either. Um, that tree is not part of any specific location. It's not part of any, like, system of anything that keeps it alive, that needs it, that it needs. I pictured it in a casino, in a big pot, in a big box retail store, someplace with no windows, lights on all the time. People can't tell the difference between day and night, and neither can the tree. I tried not to vomit on his shiny white shoes. Number 168. 
human circulation considered as something to be consumed, tourism, is a byproduct of the circulation of commodities. Basically, tourism is the chance to go and see what has been made trite. The economic management of travel to different places suffices in itself to ensure those places' interchangeability. The same modernization that has deprived travel of its temporal aspect has likewise deprived it of the reality of space. What immediately springs to my mind, and I guess this is probably a little bit cliche, is Las Vegas. I got dropped off hitchhiking in Las Vegas um, and decided I would try to spend the night there and see, see what that felt like, see what it was like for just a day. Um, I got dropped off right on the strip, and of course it's huge structure after huge structure after huge structure, and they're all the same, and they're all there for the same reason, and you do the same things inside them, but they're all supposed to be um, representing you know, different cultures all over the world. They're all these like, larger-than-life, crasser representations of places that you could buy you know, airplane tickets to and go. Um, I was in Caesar's Palace, I was walking around, and there were these people um, walking near me who were speaking Italian, and I couldn't believe it. I, that people would travel that distance and across an ocean to a different continent to go to this place that just um, like cheapens everything from their culture and you know, turns it into something entirely different. Um, and I thought about that for a while, and it wasn't until after I got away from the the bright lights and all the noise that I realized that looking at the replica of the Trevi Fountain in Caesar's Palace, I really didn't have that much of a different relationship to it than I did of the Trevi Fountain when I was in Rome. <laughs>